This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 371. And the quote of the day is, With wisdom comes the desire for simplicity. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? This is Nick Ruffini, and this is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, and I hope you're doing well. And I want to thank all of you for the great reviews that you've been leaving on iTunes. I really do appreciate it. The weird thing about the iTunes reviews is that although I, you know, I see your username or whatever it is, I don't know who you are. So I, I can't thank you. Uh, I can't thank you personally, but I can thank you by your I guess by your username or, or whatever it was. So uh, Amanda plays the drums. Thank you so much. Not be rich. I appreciate it. Leo drums. I appreciate it. Uh, Critic Kalmani. I think that's what it is. Uh, and then the other one is Z13 KZ hats. So I'm guessing it's Zildjian 13 KZ hats. <laughs> I don't know. Um, our, R. Borowski, all of you who are leaving these comments, I do appreciate it. Grove, Grove JBDR, I thank you for, for leaving a comment uh, or for leaving a rating on, on iTunes. I do appreciate it. Some of the great things that, that everyone is saying, it is, it's amazing. And I, I truly appreciate it. And it just, it, it blows my mind every time I read these comments. So if you haven't already, please leave a rating or a review on iTunes. And it's not just feeding my ego. It actually helps the podcast show up higher in search results when people are searching for drums or, or drumming podcasts or anything like that. So by leaving a comment, yes, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy, but it's also helping out the podcast. It's helping other people know about the podcast. The other thing is a lot of people ask me what they can do to help. Just share it. Anytime you have an episode that you're digging, just share it on on uh on social media, you know, use some hashtags, use drums and drummer and all that kind of stuff and and tag me in it because I want to know if you're sharing this stuff. But yeah, that's the that's the best way to help is just share it on your social profiles and just get it out there and let people know what's going on over here at Drummer's Resource. And I do appreciate all of that. So now that that's out of the way, let's get into part two of this conversation with John Fisher. I've gotten a lot of great feedback about it, uh, tons of downloads, but also just a lot of people writing in telling me how much they enjoyed it and that they're digging the fact that I, I released it in two parts. So this is part two of the Fishman interview. For those of you who haven't heard part one, you can go check that out. This is literally just a three and a half hour conversation that we found the best part in the conversation to cut it. And so we just split it in two. So uh, if you, you know, if you listen to the first one and, or if you haven't listened to the first one, you don't necessarily need to listen to that one to understand what's going on in the second one. This, it wasn't like, you know, a prequel and a sequel, but uh, you should check that first one out too. And that is episode 368. So you can check that out and we'll get into it now with part two of the conversation with my man, John Fishman. So this has been floating around and I've, and I've read about this a long time ago and I've never, I've looked for it. I've Googled it. Didn't, what's the deal with this dissertation that you wrote in college? Did you actually write it or did you, there's rumors that you said it or did it not no, even exist or did somebody just make this shit up? No, 
I wrote it. it was my senior study. It's called the Rumbling Earth, and I and I it was my senior study. Oh no, it was the uh, it was the. Um, I'm talking about the drumming, the self teaching guide to drumming yeah, in retrospect. Self teaching guide to drumming, yeah. So so I had this thing. There was this, uh, you know, I honestly don't remember a single thing about it now because I, I so I wrote the whole thing and um, there's this one uh, part where I was explaining upbeat and downbeat. Mm-hmm. Right. And your teach yourself how to drum thing. So, you know, you have to get this um, uh, uh, general concept of upbeat and downbeat. You know, so I said, well, in the, so in the book, I'm saying, well, when you're listening to music, you know, and you're, you're bopping your head, you know, and you're, you're doing this with your head and you're going, you know, um, you know, that when your head goes forward, that's the downbeat. And, and when your head goes back, that's the upbeat, mm, 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 you know, and then your <laughs> head's going forward. That's that, you know, simple. Right. And Trey goes, Oh, you mean like in bluegrass, like putting his head forward on the downbeat. I'm going, oh, my God, you know, forward on the upbeat. And I'm just <laughs> in like one second. He completely delegitimized my explanation. <laughs> Something. Oh, it's he made me realize like that was a 50 50 shot. If you happen to be listening to something and you're the person that, you know, your head <laughs> right. goes forward, happens to go forward on the upbeat. Now I everything I said is totally wrong. And your your entire concept going forward is gonna be have to be based on on exactly misinformation. Uh, misinformation. So I I feel that it's probably uh, that that publication is a case of the difference between the skill of uh, playing and teaching. Right. Uh, so this and, thing and, does uh, exist, but it's just not going to see the light of day. It does exist, and I would not recommend it to anybody. I think that it probably is wrong. Well, it's right if you if you read it and then you listen to music and your head goes down forward on the downbeat, you're off and running. Do you I mean, do you and still you, have it? I've got it someplace. It's probably I mean it's in my. All I right. think I have a copy of it. Because I mean, there's like people I've read. Like I, I'm, I'm not super active on forums. It's, it's in the Goddard Library. You can go to the Goddard College. You can go to the library and you can go find it. So it's, the, in, it's in. So I read that someone tried to do that. They won't let them. They won't let them because they don't have your permission. So they're like, we reached out to Mr. Fishman or tried to like. Or we've in several attempts to reach out to Mr. Fishman and blah 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 and all this stuff. So they can't release it without your express written consent. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean to what? To let them like photocopy it or something? I guess I don't know. This is I I, I I legitimately don't know that much about. I know about I've read about the uh, about it. I don't even know where the fuck I read about it. I mean, this was like I asked. I I'll tell you this. I played with Paige at Nectar's in two thousand five. And I asked him about it then. So that's how long I've, I've known about it. But I just read about this thing today that, that people were like trying to get it. And like they were trying to reach you to get it and all this stuff. Do you, what, do you play in a band in Burlington? Uh, I did play in it. I, no, I, I was in Philadelphia, but we would, we would tour and we would play. We played at Nectar's a lot. Oh, what, what band? The band was called Monacy, M-O-N-A-C-Y. Never heard of you guys. No. So we played with, like, we played with Grippo and, and uh, Spam All-Stars and then you know did that huh. whole thing so i never i never heard of Monacy. we weren't that funny. we weren't that good You're, you weren't missing anything well um <laughs> i yeah um yeah that study i mean that that uh i could probably you know maybe i'll maybe i'll go dig it out of my 
I, I just unpacked boxes like a few months ago that I hadn't packed for 10 years. I'm mm. pretty sure that it's in there uh, because I did I, I, I did put a bunch of music stuff in the filing cabinet. I think I, I'm kind of picturing – I think it's this thing that I had that had my, my – because my dad put it in a binder for me, I think. I, I think this hardcover thing I put in there I think was that. Anyway, I could dig that out and maybe I'll go look at it someday and <laughs> proofread it again and see if it's – you know, I if I think I want to see this thing. If there's anything helpful in there that is, is any validity that's not going to be screwing somebody up more than is going to be helping them, then maybe I'll I'll put it out there just for fans to get a chuckle over. Right, or it'll be like stuff that I wrote years ago, and I look at it and I'm like, what the fuck was I? What was I thinking? I, I'm sure that you know. Look, considering the fact that it took me until 1996 to understand that my part of my role of my instrument was in a pocket that you know i would say that probably that uh, there's a lot of stuff in that book that's missing right. <laughs> there may be a few uh, gaps and that guy that could be good that could be a good thing maybe that's you know maybe that's kind of like the way this started out where we should talk about anything other than drumming yeah through which we will then be deliver the most informative drumming podcast ever ever created ever avoiding created. concept altogether yeah. <laughs> like a drum a, an updated version of a drumming guide in in retrospect right just a giant gap yeah <laughs> giant gap in information yeah all right so i have one one sort of uh like technical question that i that i need to ask you so i know that i and we had talked about um harry hood and i think you do this in harry hood where you're seemingly playing like um i guess you're playing singles between your hands right but they're separated ones on the hi-hat ones on the snare and then but you're still playing the backbeat at the same time so it gives it like this flutter kind of vibe that you do and you do it you do it a lot i mean i've heard you do it in in a lot of different tunes and i can never figure out exactly how the hell you're playing do you know what i'm talking about you mean like that sort of uh shuffly thing that happens underneath the main groove it's kind of, it's just like a it has like this this like flutter like this like flutter bounce to it yeah it's uh yeah i most of the time well yeah most of the time over the years that it's been yeah it is singles singles just just single strokes that are just i guess you know in technically they're called ghost notes right i mean people call right. them ghost notes. it's just a matter of kind of getting the ghost notes to sort of even out a little bit but I've been going through – Bob Galati gave me um, Alan Dawson's Ritual, oh, which yeah. I'd never seen before. And I've been going, you know, readdressing the rudiments and, you know, getting into the drags and flams and just going through the, you know, the foot pattern that goes under – it's funny because the foot pattern underneath it um, is – that part of it's not the hard part for me. It's the – it's the um, just the rudiments themselves, you know, some mm -hmm. like the flam a diddle diddle is – ridiculous I'm like how the fuck does anyone even do this but and i see people killing it and you know but i thought well if you get that stuff to be really good then those things like you're talking about the little fluttery stuff underneath the main beat uh it can be can can not just be singles then you know then right. you can start you know getting that going with um uh you know different different patterns Mm -hmm. uh, because like the ritual, the way the ritual is one of the really important parts of the ritual is, um, uh, putting the accents right in rudiment where he wrote them. Well, that was always what tripped me up with the thing that you play is because you're not, cause you're not dropping your hand off the hi-hat to play the accent. Right. Um, it, 
No, uh, in that what in that particular beat, in that particular Harry Hood thing. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think you played in Harry Hood. Should have been better. Well, I, I should have been better. Well, this know, is a if, shitty question, John. I'm sorry. I should have been better prepared with this question. With the uh, with the Harry Hood with the, with that, a lot of that stuff, it's not. I'm if I, if the stick is on the hi hat at all, it's because it's it's pairing with you know either a downbeat or an upbeat that I'm playing you know on, on the hi hat. So it'll be mm -hmm. like a stick that'll happen right after the foot, you know. Right. And um, but a lot of times I think what you're hearing is that the, I'll change the foot from being to the on the upbeat to the downbeat, or I'll be playing it as an eighth note or a quarter note triplet. So it'll fit into those fluttery stuff and the single strokes and like a, 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 you know it'll fall in that pattern and okay. some consistency. And if you're closing a hi hat and you're not really slamming it, it kind of it kind of sounds a little like a light hit on the on the snare drum. So they start to become slightly different textural sounds, but but they they have a a, a homogeneousness to them as well. Mm -hmm. And yep. you know, um, yeah, and I, I that's it's that's just a it's it's just a feeling like you're trying to get that it's just a flow yeah you just it's part it's just part of the flow it's just getting the flow going and uh in between the the bigger where the accents are it's just kind of keeping the flow going right and right. and sometimes you put that there to create that feeling but then you'll you can take it away so that there's space in between and that's you know we have more like the funk and or you know ballady type grooves or something yep. yeah 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 cool well, that was it. That was the uh, that was the the poorly uh, poorly researched question that I just that I had to that I wanted to get out. So, um, but I I want to one I want to thank you for for taking all this time to chat with me, man. I I do appreciate it. And after, like I said, after seeing you guys, after going to you know ninety fish shows, uh, to actually be able to sit down and and talk drums with you and and talk about fish, this is this has been a real treat, man. And I I really do appreciate it. Well, it's a treat for me too. I like being able to talk shop in a shop talking type place where other people are listening. It's not like you're alienating anybody, you know, it's kind of a nice forum and it's, you know, it's what we do and everyone everyone has something to provide there, you know. Mm -hmm. So I I hope I hope I hope <laughs> I hope my my thoughts are too scattered and that people can take away some something useful from it <laughs> no, there was a lot of useful information in here that and that's why i love it how it's i love the long form content so we can we can get into topics there's no agenda you know we can we yeah can just talk about yeah. where talk about where it goes so yeah so do you put this whole thing out or do you yeah. like go through and edit no i don't know no god no i don't edit this stuff i just so put it out 10 minutes of space where he wasn't talking like, <laughs> yeah. are you still there did you die hello <laughs> Or, or <laughs> all my, uh, you know, uh, starting a thought and then going off into left field. It's funny because my, um, my son just remarked that he goes, "You have weird pauses, you know. <laughs> you have weird pauses." Because, but then, and then, but Rose or somebody said, uh, "Yeah, but you, what, you usually end up coming back to where you, you know, like, like." I will I say, you do that. You'll go, like, you'll go out there, and then you're like. So to bring it back, and you do, you remember the question that was asked or like go back well, the, to the original point. Like I know that as I get older, like eventually that's going to stop happening and it'll just be like, <laughs> hey, he just wandered off again. <laughs> you know, my, my master plan is to just actually physically one day, like when it just gets really, you know, kind of like that time, just wander off. <laughs> what, what, like old yeller? <laughs> Yeah, they found Grandpa. They find they found him in the snow, and he's like, yeah, the spring came, and they find me, you know, <laughs> half decomposed out in some, you know, 
I, I don't know. It's kind of morbid, but I don't know. I kind of, it's, well, you know. <laughs> hey, man, I think it's better than, I think it's better than going a lot of different ways, you know? Yeah, right. You know, but who knows? Maybe by that point, they'll, they'll, they'll find a way for all of us to uh, live forever and populate Mars and, you know, there's all that sci-fi stuff. I feel like I live in the generation that's just going to miss the whole sci- <laughs> I feel like everything that actually that happens in science fiction actually in one way or another does eventually happen in reality. Yeah. It's not the same way like in Star Trek they're beaming people up and wherever but there's you know but but in in real life there's the 3D printer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so you know it's it's like the the you're approximating these concepts that were, re- I mean, this right here, I mean, us Skyping, it's funny how normal this is and the, uh, you know, the uh, iPhone, you know, version FaceTime. of it and the yeah, different yeah. Yeah, FaceTime and the different versions of, you know, this talking on the screens. And that's why at the beginning of this thing, I was like, well, the asteroid I'm coming from, hi, son. <laughs> hi, it's been dad. Dad, you know, is you? you? Oh, so you're four years old now, you know. <laughs> oh, I know that by the time you get this signal, five years will have passed and you'll probably be married and have kids. But, you know, uh, I just want you to know I think about you all the time up here on Neptune. And, you know, like it, it's the sci-fi movies, right, where that's, that's the only place it existed, like Blade Runner or something. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and then it's then it started to happen in real life on these computer screens. And it's not like – for me, when, when I first saw Skype, I fucking flipped out. I was like, wait, wait, this this is real? You, <laughs> you could actually do this? Wait, wait, you could do this now? But it, I, it was like nobody, nobody around me reacted in a way like that this was weird at all. It was like it had been happening the whole time. And I, I was like, wait, this only existed in science fiction movies. Yeah. Like a year ago. Yeah. And now it's it's free. Yep. And it, it's, it's ubiquitous. My uh, and, no, and nobody's going like, and nobody's oh freaking. And it's free. It's free. My yeah, mom, it's free. That, you know, my mom's 72 now. And she said that when she was a kid, her mom used to always say that people were going to walk around and they were going to have their phones in their pockets and there'd be no cords or anything attached to it. And they would, you would be able to sit down and see the person that you're talking to. And my mom's like, no way. And she's like, I'm telling you that's going to happen. Right. And now it's not even the remote list, you know, well, what I've been walking around saying is like, you know, uh, it's funny because I've had this thought for a long time. Like, you know, when's, when's the chip, you know, that the chip that, you know, you, it's just the implant right right here yep and and it just it it, it it's this it it interfaces and with your b- direct gray matter and you you i i gotta do an interview with nick ruffini and i i just think of you and 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 then you 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 think back and we go uh you know and there's some way to control that and then like i'm no one else can see it but i'm looking at you right. we're having this conversation and you're like a holographic, Im- holographic graphic image that only I can see. I and, and I don't, you know, I and I don't think that that is even remotely far fetched. Right, right. It, it's some weird thing. What I always want to do, like, in, you know, I used to say, like, in, in fish concert, like, where you could have, you know, the the Lucky Charms guy who's like, 
moons, clovers, stars, <laughs> yeah. and, like, and they're appear spinning over his head <laughs> no i wanted to be like doing a concert like corotas is doing his lights and suddenly there's just like sh- shamrock spinning over trey's <laughs> you know, like, head <laughs> or some shit like that like it's real it's really real like it actually looks like he's about to get hit in the head with a big rubber shit people shamrock. would lose their fucking minds <laughs> I'm like, can you just sneak that in somewhere, like a, a real hologram, and just have it appear? And then, well, did you see you the know. did you see the the Tupac concert that they put on with the hologram at Coachella? Oh well, right. So right, no, I didn't see it, but right. So then the next thing I know, I'm hearing these things about oh, there's going to be a Zappa tour where they have a hologram of Zappa, you know, playing or something, and it's like or the Tupac thing, or you know, what? and there we go. Like oh wait, oh okay, yeah, of course this is going to be this is going to be happening. This is going to be no- normal. You know, that's insane. That's so insane. I think you guys should definitely it, do the shamrock thing. Though. You should definitely do well, the shamrock. If it was going to be, if it was going to be us, I wouldn't want to like bring back some dead person and from their film archive. I mean, I would, I would want to do, you know, like really weird stuff that just stuff that people, they go, they're sure that they're, they hallucinated it. They're positive <laughs> right. that nobody else saw it to the point where they and don't no one actually, mentions it. <laughs> No, they don't want to. They really are kind of like, dude, I was so fucking high at that concert that I got to be honest with you. (laughs) Trey was playing a solo and I was looking right at him and there was this, there was a smiley face over his head, superimposed over his own face, but he he turned into a giant emoji (laughs) smiley face. That actually replaced his head. That's how that's how high I was. And then the friend go, Oh my fucking God. I saw that too, but I didn't want to say anything to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and have have it be like for a second. You know, you don't it's not like it just you just go boom, like and then the the people that saw it saw it and they really don't actually want to say anything to their friends about it because they, they're sure that they had a psychotic episode and they're worried that they could, you know, <laughs> that they could be dragged into a mental clinic. <laughs> I really, you know, I, that's please, I please do this. Please do this. I want to become that to be a thing, an entire thing that nobody is sure <laughs> that they actually saw saw it and they're a little nervous about mentioning it to anybody else i'm 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 actually i think i'd be more interested to see you go pitch this to corona and you're like so i have an idea oh i'm sure corona's already thinking about it we i mean i'm you know i mean we've all he's been with us as long as you know he's he's the oldest other member of the group basically right right. and and and, uh, you know it it's I'm, I'm i'm sure that's not lost on him. well actually the show the, the the rig we have now does do that a little bit because of the way that the the light the beams will stay focused on a certain person but right. the, but the thing projecting the beam actually can be moving around but the beam stays focused in its original spot ah. so you know the whole the roof can tilt like that but if there's a, like if this light beam is pointing straight down this entire rig can go like that but the light beam will stay uh, i got you yeah yeah and 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 all the you know the, this light will be moving, but it'll it'll be it'll you know the beam will be adjusting as it, as it, as it, and you know, and so it gives this appearance that they're you know I, I saw it in uh, when we were test running the new rig and it it, it gives us almost like I think of it as like um, 
like uh, you know those what are those big machines in Star Wars the the the, the sand walkers? Or the, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm the wrong guy to ask for that. You know, big robot machine. Yeah, I know. What you're like, it looks like a gigantic like, dog robot kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it. It's almost like one of those things is straddling the stage and and moving around back there, and its shoulders are kind of but you but it's black and it's sort of blended in. You you can't see it behind the things, but it looks like there's some massive thing right moving behind the lights but it but it's not it's not <laughs> it's it but it it really it gives you it it does kind of give you this a little bit of an impression of like am i is that the lights moving or is that some yeah is that is that an illusion or is that actually happening you know <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you know it's starting it's starting we're just at the <laughs> scratching the surface of it, but I, I promise but as, as soon as you get into the deeper levels of that you know, speaking of the of the uh, the rig, I I saw the video from not this year but two years ago of New Year's Eve, and as I'm watching it, I felt like somebody was like, "Oh, ten thousand balloons!" I thought you said a hundred thousand balloons. <laughs> like, oh well, that was yeah, that was fuck? that was funny. That the, was ridiculous. I was like, they just they just kept coming, and I was like, holy shit! And they were, I was like, where the fuck are these balloons coming from? Well, there was the whole, you know, Petrichor soaked earth and the raining cats and dogs. Right. And so we got like as literally as as dumbly literal as we could about it and <laughs> actually had cat and dog balloons in the giant. You know, and it was it, I think it was the like the largest balloon drop in Madison Square Garden's history or some crazy <laughs> stuff like that. We were we you know, I mean, it, and it was great. It was caricaturish. You know, it was a right. real spinal tap moment. It totally was. Is there a reason you know, why you guys are? I mean, you guys have been playing there a lot. Is it just just that's the way it works, or just? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we were, uh, you know, at, at one of the shows, I I said you know, we did the Boston Cream mashup. You know, mm-hmm. the more than a feeling and the sunshine of your love thing. You right. know, and, and um, the that had been a running joke like the idea for the baker's dozen actually was 20 years old by the time we actually did it at at the garden the original idea was we were on tour and the providence civic center i don't remember what year it was but the providence providence rhode island civic center went from being the providence civic center to the dunkin donut center <laughs> And we were laughing about, well, we should do 13 nights there, call it the Baker's Dozen, and have a different flavored donut every night and have it in the Dunkin' Donut box. And, like, you come in and you open your Dunkin' Donut box and today's donut's strawberry. And, you did, like, literally everything we did at the Baker's Dozen at the Garden had been an idea that had been rolling along and accumulating the snowballing <laughs> right. effect accumulating other facets literally since the Dunkin' Donuts Center came into being in Providence. So right. you look it up, whatever year that became the Dunkin' Donuts Center, that was the year we were like, the Baker's Dozen, that would be this, you know, that was, and so then there was along the way, we thought, oh, you know, we kept talking about it and then we kept going, uh, oh, well, okay, we'll do it for one of our festivals. And then for one reason or another, it wouldn't become the festival because, you know, it's not, how do you get through thir- you know it's not 13 nights and right. you know and and then and i think earlier on you know even the idea of wouldn't it be incredible to do 13 nights and never repeat a song you know back when that idea first hatched there was no fucking way we were going to be able to go 13 nights and not repeat a song and right. so by the time so as our career is going along you know we're we're our our repertoire 
the catalog of songs is growing, you know, naturally, and and the the bands, um, the venues we were playing in were evolving naturally, and you know everything was kind of organically going along, and there was this this idea that just kind of never died, and in fact, doing we, I mean, the Boston Creek, literally more than a feeling and sunshine of your love together, and that not that specific arrangement that ended up actually happening, but that idea was, well, one of the nights is going to be the Boston cream donut, right? right. I mean, that one of the, like we were thinking of the donuts, we were going, okay, well, chocolate, we could, you know, chocolate rain didn't exist at the time, but we were like, oh, you could do, you know, chocolate city. Mm-hmm. You could do, oh, well, you could do, you know, some P-Funk thing would be like chocolate night and you right. could do, you know, the, the strawberry fields forever was, right. you know, was one that there was, you know, so, I mean, literally, that, that Boston cream, it, the whole thing was 13 nights without repeating. And the, originally the idea was you do the first 12 nights. If anyone buys all the whole thing, you get the 13th night for free, which we were unable to do logistically. It wasn't possible to do because you couldn't really track. You couldn't have a room, the entire garden be filled with people who had only bought all 12. Right. You know, and then and then and then you know there wasn't an, enough people that would buy all twelve nights, and it was like originally that the thirteenth night would only be for the people that bought. You know, but but you you, you you know you can't put concert tickets on sale and then go well you you can't buy one for that concert unless there there were just impractical logistical things where right. that part of it could be done. But in every other way, it was implemented exactly how it had been conceived of for all those years, and it just it just like. It just uh, gestated all that time, and uh, and then you know it was it, we were as surprised as anybody else when it when it it became oh my god we 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 are actually in a position physically to do the Baker's Dozen where we we can actually go thirteen nights and play mostly original material and and get through all thirteen nights and have all thirteen nights be strong shows. You know, not like you don't get to the thirteenth night and you're only left with ballads and a couple covers. You know, <laughs> right, yeah. like, you know. I mean, you still. I mean, even up to the last nights, you still had, you know, Bowie and you enjoy myself and you had other stuff on the. You know, plenty things on the table. And in fact, we had like one or two other decently strong nights that we probably could have gotten fifteen nights. At, at, at one point, there was a conversation because there's five gigs leading up to the Baker's Dozen that were warm up to the Baker's Dozen. We we're like, geez, wouldn't it be amazing if we started in Chicago and we didn't repeat a song through the entire run. But when we looked at it realistically, it became kind of unreasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it would have just been, like you'd have to do so many covers and we didn't want to do as many as many covers. We really did want to do it mostly original. And then, and then um, it, so we were as surprised as anyone else when it got to where it was like, wow, we can actually do this. We have the material for it now. And the the joke has stayed. You know, the idea hasn't hasn't become any less funny. Right. <laughs> and 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 we can do it at we can't even do it at the Dunkin' Donuts Center anymore. The play, that would be too small. It, it would create havoc in the right. city of Providence, you know. And and the fact that we 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 could do this in in New York City at Madison Square Garden that our career had grown to the point where that was the logical venue for such a thing, mm-hmm. you know. And then and then to have a relationship with the people there and with the with the staff and the everyone from the promoters to the you know the janitors, it's like I mean, you guys have played they, there a lot. So good to us. They they they. I mean, I wouldn't say they love us. I can't speak for them, but I mean, the you. Feel, I mean, I feel like I'm at home there. I, I really? know 
you know, the guys backstage and the, and the, you know, like at this point I'm on first name basis with a like a lot of the people we, we, we see there that just in the hallway that work every concert there, you right. know, but it's right. like one guy, Tyrone, it's just like, you know, it's like, Hey Tyrone, how you do? like, it's, he's like the, you know, I feel like I've known the guy. I mean, I, I have known him for, you know, 13 years or whatever it is. Right. It, and, and, you know, so we, you know, it's, 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 it's just kind of, it's just a combination of things. Like it just did in one way, it naturally evolved that way. And then the other, it's, it's, it's the garden. Like how, how many bands get a chance even like to, to have, have a period of their career or their existence where they, the Madison square garden get, you get to have that as your, your, your normal office, your normal right. workplace right. Of, of, you know, as a performer and, and, and that it's 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 like a good fit, and it's just so it seems normal, you know what I mean? It, it it's funny. It's like you know, I'm not saying you know own the room or anything like that. I mean, right. whatever. No, I mean, you played 13 nights at Madison Square Garden, and then you came back what a couple months later and played how many how many nights did you guys play over New Year's? Four. Yeah, yeah, and then four, and it was, and, and then right, and then the other thing is like to be what I was getting at was was um not like it, you know owning the room, but 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 um, um, more like uh, to to have developed a relationship with the garden where where they they would they would engage with us in in making this this idea actually come to fruition. That mm-hmm. I don't I don't. The, first of all, the only period of time during their calendar year where you could you could block out twenty days in a row or whatever to do to do it, if you include days off, you know, um, and tech days and stuff. I mean. You know, for for them for them to to grant you that, for for them to feel confident enough that you know you can sell enough tickets that it makes it worth their while to you know to give you the Mondays and the Tuesdays and the Wednesdays, you know, they they could have you know they could have other acts in there right. on on those days of the week that you know they could you know Justin Bieber could go in there and sell the place out cold on a Tuesday and mm-hmm. you know or or some you know and there's other artists that are way huger and, and it would you know and uh to have them accommodate us that way and give us that many days in a row it's that's not i mean even i don't even know if you know like the taylor swifts of the world you know the superstars could could just do that right I mean, they, i'm sure they could sell out the room i'm not saying they couldn't sell the tickets i'm just saying like the garden the way they were it, it, i don't they don't i don't I don't know. I, the, the conversations I've had with people, and I, I don't know a lot of the people involved in the in the finer details of the arrangement part of it as much. But like, I don't know the conversations Corin had with them. But mm-hmm. um, but I do I do know through little anecdotes that our managers have made and stuff is like you know this isn't this this is it, this this is the result of of a long relationship that's built with this venue over over many years where it's a really healthy relationship and mm-hmm. they really like you guys and they respect your organization and 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 they're willing to do this you right. know it's they they don't they're fucking madison square garden they really don't have to <laughs> right. do anybody you know and so that in and of itself is really cool yeah. and uh and you know an an honor on a, on, a, on its own level just just the fact that they would have said yes to that mm-hmm. and, and taken the chance yeah it's quite the and, feat for you guys too though it's that's impressive yeah no it was i mean no they gave us a banner you know jesus yeah. that's so great you know that's so fun 
I mean, you know, you got the next Billy Joel and us hanging in the banners, banners of, you know, and the, and the, it's, it's just That's fun, insane, you know? though. That's, yeah. do you, I mean, do you enjoy that well, stuff? I mean, do you get like, you know, do you stop? Uh, you and- know, I, I very I really don't go in much for the awards aspect of of anything that we do. I, 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 I never like I, I don't some of our records have sold a million copies or whatever. And we've gotten some, you know, they give you the, the platinum thing whatever and i i haven't hung any of those on my wall but i will say that one of the things i one thing i do have hung on my wall is delsner made us a plaque of the marquee of madison square garden the first time we sold it out mm-hmm. this is like 1994 december 30th fish sold out you know, on the marquee of the of the garden and he took a picture of it and framed it and gave it to us with a, a piece of the ticket stub and a gaudy gold frame you know kind of and nice matting between behind it and um i i have attempted to hang that on my wall <laughs> and it, it hasn't it it doesn't somehow it doesn't manage to stay like i can't quite it does, i don't know but but it's the only thing and like the cover our cover of rolling stone was mounted on a, a piece of wood that i've tried to hang on the wall too and i can't quite leave it up there uh why does I, it I seem like it's, braggadocious or something well i don't know i it's for me and i'm not you know i mean I've looked at other people's like trophy rooms and thought like, oh wow, that's so cool. So it's not like I don't have an appreciation for it when it's somebody else's thing. But I, I don't. Um, I mean, music. I guess the big. I guess the big secret is like uh, I'd be doing this for free anyway. Like I, I. Right. That's the. You know, I'd be. <laughs> I mean, if you give me an award for selling a certain number of tickets or something, it's not what i was in i was in it to make a living like to somehow do my favorite thing in the world and parlay that into a a, a, a livelihood like making those two necessities doing something that you love and feel purpose in and making a living and putting food on your table those are both necessities i think and to have them be married into the same thing is fantastic you know mm-hmm. a lot of people have work that they do for money that oh they might like and they may do a good job but that they're sort of heart's love is like fishing right you know and then if you know like i've heard Taj mahal say things like you know i go out on tour so i can make enough money to stay for as long as i can stay home and and fish if i can figure (laughs) out a way to make money fishing i'd never leave the house you know (laughs) you know so even even people who are musicians you know they have you know that that might not be their first choice you know (laughs) so uh you know i i consider so since that's the case, it's like I'm not going to say that the awards are meaningless because I don't want to sound like um, unappreciative or you know ungrateful or something. But right. it's it's not why I'm in it. It was never why I I got into it. So it's the reward I'm seeking is that out of body experience. You know, like where things are, like where I was describing before and stuff. It's not. It's the um, or just the rush that comes with learning. This year, I'm finally starting to get good at the shuffle, like the Texas mm-hmm. shuffle. You know, like I'm, it's but I swear Such to God, tough go go listen to the last version of Julius that we played. I swear to you, it's the best shuffle. You can listen to every other Julius we've ever played, and I'm telling you, the last version we did of it is the first time. I'm, I'm serious. The first time I feel like. I actually played it. I started to get into the neighborhood of playing it the way where the pocket is really approximating contagion. <laughs> really? And, and and where it's it's almost 
contagious. And I think, and there's, there's a long way to go and it's going to get better. But right. I'm telling you, Julius, that, that feel and that song for our band is at the very beginning of it's going to get a lot better. Really? That feel is going to get a lot better from here on when's out. The la- so but when's the last time you played it? Did you guys play it over New Year's? Uh, yeah, we played it over New Year's. All right. I want to go back. I want to listen to it. Encore one of the nights, but it was like, I just finally felt like I got that feel. And it's all because the drive of it is in the snare drum. Mm-hmm. It's on the ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. I never really totally, you know, and and the ride is just straight quarters and the kick drum pattern is real simple. It's, you know, and I actually even feel like I kind of went overboard where I started putting the kick drum on the and of one of the beats instead of just on the fucking downbeat. And I put an and, and even that made it a little, a little, a little herky-jerky. Like, oh, I ruined it, you know, like, but... You know, it kind of kind of left the pocket a little, um, or you know, it brought it from the ass into the shoulders a little. Right. Like it goes from like to, to like, ee, you know, and, <laughs> oh, oh, it jumped up here. Uh, uh, you know, push get back down in there. <laughs> back in the fucking ass. Get back in the can. <laughs> stay, you know, stay on the ground, or you know, stay, you know, you know, keep keep the pocket going. And so I, I you know, it, it it'll jump up the upper body a little or you know start headed toward the cerebral part right you know i had uh, i had chris layton from double trouble on the podcast and you know we're just talking talking about his shuffle and that dude is i mean that guy i mean right right you know it's that's like a that's like a beastly shuffle you know that's that's like the whole state of texas right (laughs) in like a beat a drum beat yeah yeah he's pretty insane it's just like jesus christ forget it yeah oh that yeah that right and and he he's that his are are, most of his shuffles like that are like these big fat swinging you know and they're sort of medium and slow tempo ones julius gets to like the thing about it the shuffle too well when you go listen to like that well lagrange is a great example Mm -hmm. but also like um uh freddie king Mm -hmm. you know I can't remember the name of his drummer there the, in the early like early 70s. I don't know. Guy, he played those Ludwigs that had to open the concert Tom Ludwigs. There, were, there was this one footage from some TV show. It's so great. They're doing this. And it's so, it's just, but it's a pretty good tempo. The thing was about the show. Sonny Scott? Sonny Scott? Yeah, it might be Sonny Scott. That name rings a bell. I feel like there's an L in the guy's name, though. Like, I don't know, like, like almost like KL, like we're, it's, I almost want to say like Kirk Livingston or something like a weird, a name like that. Or, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, at any rate, there's this thing and he's going, Freddie King's going, can you feel it? Can you feel it? You know, I can feel it. I can feel it. And you, I mean, when, when he asks you, when he asks the question, you know, he's asking the audience, you feel it. You feel right. that, you know? At the time, it's laughable because you feel it. You real like you get you completely are like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm feeling, <laughs> you know. And it's and it's the shuffle is outrageous, and it's at a pretty good clip. You know, it's at a little bit of a higher tempo. And the thing about that groove is like it seems to be it. it, it you know, that's where it starts to become really uh, um, precarious. Is um, when you start to get to the higher tempos. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts to just come up out of the you know the tree gets a little unrooted and it starts to 
wave in the wind and you, right. you know it starts to look like it's going to tip over and and that's so, so i think that it's the trick is to stay to stay you know to have that going pretty good but to keep you know to stay back and and have that backbeat really really anchored but mm-hmm. but still but the flutter in the back so that's the thing about that backbeat it has to be that pop but like you've you've got the you know dit and dit on either side of it you know you know that the slower tempos the guys go like you know they're just doing the you know the swung eighths but but when you get up in the faster tempos it's like boom you know the kick drum is filling the other spot boom and and when you really get it locked down it's like it really i've had those moments where i was like oh i get why freddie king said in that moment you feel it do you feel it do you feel it it's like oh oh, there it is there it is and and uh and i'm like just getting that now and i'm 50 fucking three years old right it's a journey it's it's a journey but i but i will say i do think i mean don't you think would you agree with me and i i bet i bet if you ask this of a lot of drummers on this podcast i think that shuffle is is generally speaking an achilles heel of of the average drummer i was just gonna before you asked that question i was gonna say i think the shuffle is the hardest groove to play and most people don't know how to play it correctly i don't I, I, I don't, I didn't really like, I'm getting it now, mm-hmm. but I, I would a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. I, 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 and it's, it's always been, I've always been self-conscious of it, of it. It's in the back of my mind. Like whenever we would play Julius or anything with that feel, I would, I would always be like kind of unsure of myself. Like I'd be trying my best and mm-hmm. I, I'd get in the pocket and I would be trying to apply the Walter Payton thing. And I, you know, and I would be, very conscious of that i wasn't trying to overcomplicate it i'm I'm really trying to but it just somehow would always feel like it would drift into the into the shoulders Mm -hmm. and you know and kind of get into that area of well it's like it's that beat that makes you feel really insecure because it's the thing that 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 is this enough is this enough like Mm -hmm. that question rises up in your head like is it a is this enough you know and you just have to go Yes, God damn it. This is enough. And not only is this enough, but if you don't shut up, you're going to ruin the whole fucking thing. Right. Like stop asking the question and just, just, just relax and just play the damn thing. And, and as you're doing it, like, you know, find that backbeat and, and, you know, stick to it. Like don't hammer away at it, but stick to it like glue and, and then have everything else sort of mold in around it. Mm-hmm. it and that's the thing. It's like, you can't beat it to death either. Yeah. It, it, as soon as you start to, you know, it's one of those, it's like the groove that as soon as you start to kind of be like, God damn it, I want this thing to conform to what I, you know, it, mm-hmm. it just, 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 it just, just starts to get brittle. If you're looking for a top-of-the-line snare, then look no farther than the Mapex Black Panther Design Lab series. These are designed to combine sound concepts to create unique and personal instruments for the demanding player. They come in three unique variations, and they all have their own unique sound quality to them. You have the Heartbreaker, which is dark and rustic and throaty. You have the Cherry Bomb, which is vintage, controlled, and precise. And then you have the Equinox, which will give you that classic, bright, articulate sound. To learn more about the Mapex Mapex Black Panther Design Lab series, go to mapexdrums.com. Right now, you are listening to this episode for free because of the great sponsors that we have, like Promark and their new Firegrain drumstick. 
The new fire grain utilizes a revolutionary heat tempered process that transforms ordinary hickory drumsticks into precision tools with unprecedented durability. They keep their original weight and balance and feel, but these sticks allow drummers to hit harder and play longer naturally. There's no excess vibration. There's no gimmicks or anything like that. They're just natural hickory, but they're hardened by flame. So unlike any other drumstick that uses synthetic alternatives, fire grain drumsticks feel like hickory because that's all they are. They also come in classic, forward balance, and select balance across a variety of sizes. To learn more, check out ProMarkDrumsticks.com. Now let's get back into it with John Fishman. To me, I always felt like it was... it. There's so All these things, because there's so much space, if you're playing... Not if you're playing like a double shuffle or anything like that, but if you're just playing like literally like quarter notes on the hi-hat i'm sorry quarter notes right. on the ride and just like this just driving shuffle there's so much space and all of those limbs have to be in balance and if they're not then it gets like you you know to to use your words like it gets it gets you know it starts to come up in the shoulders it feels really wonky and and get getting that balance has i mean i struggle with it too i think it's all it's always it's always been hard for me and but i i think every drummer I think it's one of the toughest to play, if not the toughest groove to play ever. I, I think it is. I, I, I feel like it's the toughest one. It takes the longest to get really, truly good at. And then and it's funny, too, because like even things like the Purdy Shuffle kind of stuff, which is so funny that he put his name on that because he's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, you know, hey, um, but, you know, that, you know that about groove, the signs that he that he did, right? No, no. Well, he would go no. into the studio and one sign said, you done did it. And then the other sign says, you done hired the hit maker. And he would set them next to the drums when he was practicing or when he was recording a record. That is so great. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that guy is so funny. He, I, I always just thought he had an incredible sense of humor. I, I, I just, I, I love his instructional video. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, and what a groove, but you know, Porcaro plays it on that, you know, Rosanna and mm-hmm. Bonham, you know, you know, it's, it, it, uh, you know, fool in the rain and, uh, you know, it's a it's on lots of you know but that i'd argue that that beat is fucking easy compared to the straight quarter nut you know what i mean mm-hmm. when you take all the other stuff out of that i'm like i play that beat in ocelot uh-huh. you know yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah like right i mean that but that beat it kind of because it all kind of everything sort of falls into place and you know it's like there's more notes there and there's the ghost notes and things. i was gonna it's say like, there's less space there's less space right and yeah. and but it's funny though because when you go to the opposite extreme, like if you play a beat that's just like ding, 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 that's comfortable too. Mm-hmm. Like like lawn boy or something. Just a slow ballad kind of beat, like a like a like you know, like lawn boy or something. Right, right. That's yeah. but as soon as it hops up a little into from ding to pat to to pat to 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 pat to to, to pat. It starts to like something about it risks coming up from the butt and getting up into the shoulders. This goes back to these conversations that, you know, in Fish, we have, you know, this is an ongoing, you know, I love Yes and King Crimson and Genesis and all that, you know, Mm -hmm. early, you know, art rock stuff, you know, and and Zappa and everything, you know, and, and, but then, you know, the great thing about the Stones and James Brown and everything is like, you know, the perfect music is the stuff, is the stuff that, equally satisfies the brain and the body mm-hmm. like the whole satisfies the whole physiological and spiritual being you know but but i think if it reaches the the, the brain and the body equally it automatically 
it involves the whole person and, and, and all the physiological things that go along with that, whether you call them spirit or the, the non-physical things too. It just affects right. – it, it gets the whole being vibrating in the same place. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, so I think you, you, need, you need both. And like so at one extreme would be like say King Crimson, Lark's Tongues and Aspic, which to me is one of the most incredible cerebral – you know, roller coaster rides, right? Mm-hmm. right? But you're that's like that's like the Maxell commercial with the guy glued to the <laughs> chair with the head back. You know, like I really feel like my face is my hair is blowing back, and you're that, you know. But then you put on like James Brown, Love Power Peace, or something like that, and it's it's you can't sit in that chair anymore. Right? You get there's all kinds of parts of you on the cellular level. You just starts like popcorn. Mm-hmm. You just start, you know, and you know, you the next thing you're like. You have to be standing and like, holy, I can't believe, you know, your whole right. body's moving. And so, you know, in, I hope, I think for fish, it's like the evolution that I feel like I hope that we keep to generate is music that's equally increasing the satisfaction of the brain and the body. That is mm-hmm. like the trading off one for the other. Right. And I think playing a really great shuffle has that essence to it that it's it's like when you can really get a great shuffle going there's like a physical part of it that's like yeah it swings but it's kind of funky too and it has a drive like like the james brown stuff you know it's like kind of somewhere between a train and a funk and a and just a swing Mm -hmm. and i think that stuff all trickles down like you get that creates a lot of place to like where all kinds of satisfying cerebral things can happen too and it's yeah, and I like once yeah. it starts trickling down into your playing too. Like I think that that, you know, that shuffle, like perfecting that shuffle, I think helps playing just a regular groove too. You know, and 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 everything else. It's just like yeah, because it raises your your ceiling. It makes mm-hmm. everything else like relatively. And, and if you can manage to not panic there, then you know, it's almost like instead of having a state of mind where it's like. Well, I'm pretty good at all this other stuff as long as we don't shuffle. <laughs> Going from that to, well, I know I've got the shuffle in my back pocket if I need it. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's like a, that's like it's like transforming. I I really I like ever since we played that Julius, I feel like a new person. It's almost <laughs> like the Walter Payton, like a new level of like, yay! I I've broken into this whole new neighborhood now. That's like a an expanding. <laughs> field that i get to walk in now and i and i get to it's like, like a whole new like <laughs> a, a, a whole section of music that i have known it's like the valley of you know it's like shangri-la so i right. know this place i know this place exists i finally get to see it i, f- I feel like you're gonna be on stage <laughs> like looking around walk around <laughs> you're like i feel like you're walking around like you're gonna be looking around on stage and be like i bet these motherfuckers don't even know i can play a shuffle <laughs> you know Oh, well, I, I mean, and it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter if, like, we never, ever even play Shuffle again. Just right, just, right. just knowing. <laughs> I, the other night when I played at Bayside Bowl, you know, they started some song that was just a Shuffle. And I, my fir- that was the, the second time in my life. The first was when we played that Julius, which was like, as soon as Trey started playing it, I was like, ah, all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Step out of the way. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then, and then the second time was at Bayside Bowl. A guy started playing the shuffle, and I, the other drummer I was playing with, is great, you know, young guy. But it was funny though. I started playing the shuffle, 
and it, well, a whole thing just glued right together, like the whole, you know, and I, mm -hmm. I, and it was being carried in the left hand and, and, you know, and, and, and it's, you know, you know, the other guy that had a probably the best up tempo shuffle I've ever heard was Richie Hayward. Yeah. That's the thing. Like if you listen to Trump, tripe face boogie, Mm -hmm. I wave, you know, that's fast. You know, that's, and his, and he's doing the, instead of, you know, he's playing it like the full on four beats, right? you know, with three, three small hits and one big backbeat hit mm -hmm. and fucking killing it. The other guys that were amazing at it are BB King's drummers. I don't know. I mean, I know he's had a lot of drummers over the years, but on that live, at, there's the um, it's not Cook County Jail, but it's, there's another one. It's like a live. Is it? There's one. It's just you know, and they're it's really like really all snare, right? And 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 just the it's it's and it's not it's and it's just pumping along. I I love I love Art Blakey's shuffle. I got a long way to go, huh? The Art Blakey shuffle uh, moaning. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, oh, see, that's okay. Right. No, well, but I see now, I, Trey and I took a trip one time over to Europe and we were street musicians over there and we met these two mountain climbers. Actually, these two, this one guy was a dentist and his, and his buddy, I can't remember what he did. Um, and when was this? Were, like, was this years ago or? Oh, it's like 1984 or something. Okay. Like right in the beginning of it. And we, and we went over and, and we were on the plane. Um, we were coming back and we we're talking to these guys on the plane and they were, yeah, we we're just in Europe. And, uh, you know, we were, we were street musicians. We were talking and he goes, yeah, well, me and my buddy are climbing enthusiasts. You know, we're mountain climbing, you know, we're climbers, but, but really my hero, and this guy was saying, so my, I, my hero is Reinhold Mesner, mm -hmm. right? You know who he is? No. So Reinhold Mesner is like the legend in big, big wall mountain climbing okay he's he's the legendary there there are no mountain climbers that don't know the name reinhold mesner the same way that there are no guitar players that don't know the name Jimi hendrix i got you. like it's just you know you, I, there might be some out there that they don't know hendrix they know segovia mm -hmm. you know it's you know one of the he's he's the you know so he's the this guy. guy went he's the guy who got the international mountain climbing association's rating system to change their rating system to accommodate a feat that only he had accomplished and no <laughs> one else what what he did was he climbed everest and he, he climbed it without oxygen and I, I don't know if he was the first i think he was the first guy to climb it without oxygen and so he said you know the highest rating you can get is a 6.12 612 is like the steepest pitch or whatever mm -hmm. the rating system hardest level of difficulty 6.12 and I should get a seven because I went up this mountain that other guys have gone up before me, but they did it. Oh, I think he did it solo too. So exactly, I did it solo. I think I think the first time he did it like solo. I said, I, I'm the first guy to do it solo. So I should get a seven. And they go, eh, no. <laughs> so then he goes and does it solo with no, no oxygen. I, I don't know if I have the to all the facts and right, exactly right. right. But he kept upping his game, right? So he does it now. He's done it. Okay, now I'm only got to do it solo, and now I've done it with, without oxygen. Now, come on. I get the seven, right? And they go, no, you, you don't get the seven. So then he does something like he goes up a route that's never been gone up before. He, he invents a new route <laughs> with no oxygen, solo, 
and then he comes down a new route too. Like he he establishes two new routes on the some some crazy so shit crazy like that. right. It's finally and and he, and he and he loses like three fingers and half his foot doing it and you know <laughs> of course and 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 he and he does it in like record time you know and uh, they finally I think they give him the seven I, I think the end of the story is they give him the seven anyway so the guy is telling this story so he says you know me and my buddies we just we just um we just me and my friend we just like to go to like the first base camp that Reinhold Mesner and just look up <laughs> like that this is high as we can go I I'm I've gone to the first base camp and I'm at you know, 17,000 feet, which is higher than I've ever been anywhere. Yeah. Uh, whatever, you know, or it's 20,000 feet, you know, we'll go up to the 20,000 foot market for a second base camp, whatever, you know, where, you know, it's still, it's very rigorous. You're at a super high altitude. You have to be in good condition and all that just to get there. He goes, but this is just, and that's as high as I can go. That's, yeah. as, that's as hard as it gets for me beyond that, you know, that the, the, it t- takes more skill and, 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 you know, endurance than I have, but I like to go there just so I can look up at where Reinhold Mesner went. Mm-hmm. And, and we did this on K2 and we do it on Everest and we go to all the different places he went and we do. So that's what, to me, I feel like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get to the top of Everest, <laughs> but I know now that I can get to the base camp from which I can can see where Art Blakey shuffle goes. You know what I mean? Like like that, you know, a la mode shuffle, like, you know, like where I'm like, okay, I get I get it now. I think I can I can I can go I can go I can see that place now. Right. I can't necessarily get there yet. But I can see how it can be done now, you know. I'll hang out at the first base camp. Right. I, you know, oh, I mean, I'd love to get to the top, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm now, I'm, I've, I've gotten to, I've gotten to the base, one base camp. You know, right. I've got, I'm like, oh yeah, all right. You know, like, uh, you know, so that's very exciting, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of mountain in front of you now, yes. you know, which is, and I looked before I couldn't even, you know, get that far. Mm-hmm. Someone was like, well, there's this giant mountain over there. Like, I can't see it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I know. It's on the map, you know. Here, listen to this recording. See, you get this proof that it's there. Yeah. Yeah, well, how, you know, I can't do that. Fuck. Yeah. The you shuffle, know, it's man. It's the shuffle is yeah, brutal. Shuffle. It's basic. Yeah. You you have to. Get, and it's funny how you know that's like one of those things that it it took me so long to bring that up into the front part of my brain where I could actually sort of say it and acknowledge it. Like Jesus, this why this is really hard. And it's almost as soon as I said that, like I noticed all these other drummers going, yeah. I know what you mean, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, Shit's hard, man. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, it's amazing. So it's a it's a really good feeling to be at this, you know, like I, I feel like I've got like a whole new part of my career in front of me. That's awesome. And and now when I go and sit in with bands, it's like, hey, can we play a shuffle? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Now I'm looking forward to and listening do- to this Julius and Well, you know it's so funny too, because recently I I thought I almost had a I almost had a gig with Billy Gibbons. Oh really? Someone called me and said, oh, there's this gig. Billy Gibbons is going to be part of it. I was like, oh, my God. I'm going to get to play LaGrange with Billy Gibbons. I can actually play the fucking job. Oh, my God. You know, and, I, <laughs> and I've been playing two LaGrange, like, off of Trace Hombres, like, for, like, two weeks now. And then just today, the gig fell through. Oh. <laughs> but I was like, hey, I got two weeks of solid shuffling my ass off. Like, yeah. that. I mean, these last two weeks, I'm talking about, like, 
this is brand new. Like there right. was the Julius we just played, and I was kind of using Lagrange and the Freddie Green tune, and mm-hmm. uh, or be the Freddie uh, uh, Freddie King and some other shuffles that you know. Um, but I'll tell you, I, I, you know where Everest is. Uh, you'll you'll know this when I say it. The, the top of the mountain. Yeah. Is the 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 Jabbo Starks original 1961 drumming of his on Bobby Blue Bland's Turn On Your Love Light. Yeah. The original version of Love Light. <laughs> that shit is crazy. That fucking groove is so incredible. And and the thing about it is, it's at like, I, I think it's something like 107 on the metronome or something. Right. It's fast. Yeah. I mean, for a, sh- for a for shuffle. For a shuffle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a good clip. clip. You know, it's it's hoppy. It's hopping right along. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the amazing thing about it is, you know, how like when people are playing the the swinging ace, like da ding da ding da ding da ding on the ride, and they're doing the da 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 in the snare accent. The accents tend to be on like I'm holding up my fingers here, but if these are the pairs of eighth notes, the accents are both on the back half of the. It's like da ding, da ding, da ding on the yeah. downbeat. Yeah, of, yeah. Of, you know, uh, you know, a one, a two, a three, a four, or you know, and one, and two. However, you know, I, th- I think it's more like a one if you're thinking of it in swing. You know, mm-hmm. like a one, a two, a three, a four. You know, so the that that feel. It's like the accents, are, but with that ride, what I realized is it's it's like the equivalent of going ding to patting, ding to patting, ding ding to patting. But with the doubles, it's like dudding, 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 dudding. One and two, and you know, a one, a two, a three, a four, and you're going a one, you know, a two, a four, you know, you're going a two, a three, a four, a yeah, that you know, a two e, a four e, a two e, a four e, a two e, a four e, and over here you're going a one, a two, a three, a four. So you're hitting hard on the two in this hand you're doing a grace note in the right hand Mm -hmm. and then the 16th note after that is an accent yeah yeah. so it's like it's like ding 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 i can't you can't even sing it i know i know exactly i mean i know the tune too so yeah so you do that play like the shuffle and do in in both in the left hand don't do you know a one, a two, a three, a four. Just go a one, a a two, a three, a four. You know, a two, a a four, a, a, a sorry, a two e, a four e, a two e. You know, as if it was one e and a two e and a right. so two e, a four e, a two e, a four e. And on this hand, go one and two and three and four and one and two and. But accent the and. Yeah. Accent the ands and lay the shoulder of the stick into the bell on the ands and then pull back and have the tip hit the bell on the downbeats. <sighs> You have to do that really slow. Do it slow, and get the feeling. Mm-hmm. You got it right out the gate. You're, you're, you 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 want to go da ding da ding da ding da ding da ding da ding. You know, right. but it's it's like da ding da ding da ding da ding. It's it's like and, and it's a completely different feeling. But when you get it, you get it. You're like oh, and I have it. But I the fastest I can do it is like eighty. <laughs> yeah, I go, you know when I go look at what the tempo is, mm-hmm. like I, I, you know, it's like record 80. it and click it. I'm at fucking eighty, and then I listen back to the recording, 
And that's the other thing about the recording is in your brain, you think it's faster than it is. It's actually slower than you end up thinking it is, but it's still too fast for you to play. Sure. Like, I mean, I'm sure Dennis Chambers and these guys, you know, whatever they, sure they, for me though, that's a huge, big project. Like that's going to take a long time, but I I think I'll throw one one on top of that pile for you. Um, You know, the tune uh, Kiss of My Love, the Bill Withers tune. I don't know if I, what is it? Is so, it one of the? So it's it's an early one, earlier one of his tunes. James Gatz is playing playing drums. He's yeah, playing, yeah. He's playing a. He's well, playing he's this like this swung sixteenth note thing, and he's accenting. He's doing the same thing, but it's like this. It's sw- it's like this swung shuffle, and it's like. But the way that he's accenting. The way that he's accenting the the eighth notes actually on the on the hi hat, he's like it's like a one, uh 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 a one, uh a two, a three, a three, a two, you know what I mean? So it's like a one, a two, a three, a three, a two, a two, a two, but it's like but but it's up tempo, you know, it grooves its ass off obviously because it's James Gadsden. And but when I first started, I first listened to it. I was like, "Oh, I can play this." And I was like, "Wait a minute!" I was like, "Wait, a, he's swinging these eighths, and he's not only swinging these eighths, but he's accenting these eighths, eighths swung differently." Exactly. It's like he's in front of the pairs of eighths instead of the back. Yeah, and and I'm gonna go a step further with that and say I'll bet that the reason he played it that way is because of "Turn On Your Love Light." I bet he got it from Javo Starks. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. Think I think about like I actually think that that groove on that record from 1961 might be responsible for the basic feel of rock and roll. I, I know that that's. I know that Chuck Berry and, and all of us came before that record. Uh-huh. You know, and there was rock and roll. And you know, I, I mean, I mean, the feel of rock and roll came from Chuck Berry and 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 and, and well and unknown unrecorded sources before him who you know what i mean who kind of you know i mean it really came from you know uh, howlin wolf and and uh, you know and and you know robert johnson and people mm-hmm. like that too but i'm just saying like that you know but chuck if you think about chuck berry too you know i mean it's the shuffle you yeah, know yeah yeah and, and richard you know that was going on but I think that like that that gallopy hopping thing, like you know, I know that that was a huge aspect of where you know Kreutzmann was coming from the dead. I know that affected the Allman Brothers in that generation. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing though, in the black community and the soul music and that culture, I mean, Jabo went to fucking James Brown. Yeah, you know, he he and Clyde, you know, he went from. The church to Bobby Bland to to the to to the to James Brown's band. I mean, yeah. played with lots of other people too. But 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 that that feel. I mean, if if he was if Gadsden's accenting the 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 you know the us instead of the downbeats in the ride. I I'm guessing that that came. From, he's he's doing it on the hi hat, but I think that you may be I, you might be right. I don't know. Yeah, no, sure, <laughs> but I'm just saying. I just think that that general. I'll send it. I'll send it to you to listen to. Check it out. I think like. Yeah, I, I I definitely want to hear that. Anything with that thing on it now, I just I I want to eat that up because because I think it's just you know or maybe I mean the other way to think of it is maybe maybe you know maybe Jabo and Gadsden got it from Art Blakey. 
<laughs> you know, for all we know, yeah, true. 1940s, you know, it's like with, you know, Monk, Greg right, Clyde, right, right, right. <laughs> one, you know, or whatever, you know, it's like, you know, so I mean, it's just many, many places where, you know, I'm, I'm not enough of a music historian to know. I'm, I'm sure there would are drummers that will listen to this. If they hear this portion of it and go, God, that guy's an idiot. He's completely missing the, you know, it's like Jabbo got it from blah, 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 you know. <laughs> right. and, you know oh, I, I can go that far back at least. And, and I know that that was for all the people that came after that, it was hugely influential because you can definitely hear it and, you, you know, and you hear people talk about it too. Right, right, right. right. Well, the dead covered that song, you know, and you can you know those early recordings of the dead, and it's like, oh man, he, you know, Bill Kreutzmann must have been a big fan of that, right? You know, and um, but 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 there's but there's a lot of it. I I even in things like I don't know, like I hear it like in Canned Heat and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. from that that era, you know, the late '60s, early '70s, and 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 I it just when I heard that record, I just remember thinking like, oh my god, this is where it comes from, you know, yeah, this is where that. Thing, you know because it's so clear there it's that like that's what it is you know I, i'm gonna talk to a buddy of mine there's a guy a buddy of mine daniel glass he actually does a podcast on drummers resource too um but he's a he's a, an amazing player but he's also an historian so he does like he'll take a groove and he'll break it down and he'll figure out the origin of it and go back and back oh, and back and back probably know for sure a lot of the stuff then yeah yeah i'm gonna i want to i'll ask him about it yeah, I'd like to know. I'd like to know what his what his response to that would be. If where that where you know if he if he traces it further back or credits it really to somebody else or you know, but mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see what his perspective as an actual historian would be on uh, on on the J. J- Bo Starks the, the the Bobby Bland recording where yeah, that yeah. sits in that lineage. Yeah, I'll ask. But him. Uh, yeah, that's but that's that's the first thing for me is getting a good solid like you know. Lagrangey type groove, and then and then I want to I, I want to get I want to get the good I really want to get good at that love like groove. <laughs> I remember saying mentioning that to Jeff Sipe, like in '92 or something, and <laughs> really? he and his response yeah and his response at the time was I said man Bobby Bland because it's so incredible that groove and he goes oh yeah that well that that's a lifetime yeah that, you get you know, that's that's the kind of the groove you can study for a lifetime yeah. And I, and I, I, I got it then, but now I really get it. Cause I really do feel like, you know, I, I would love for just one moment to be able to actually almost be like able to make an impression of it the way that, you know, a good comedian can do an impression of, you know, Donald Trump or, right. you know, like, you know, like that guy, um, Frank Calienda, who sounds exactly like John Madden, like he can sound. Oh I mean, you yeah. Can, you I know who you're talking about never know that it's not Madden, you know, mm-hmm. or there's some people that are, their impressions are so good. And even though they don't look anything like, you know, Jimmy Fallon's got some of these, like, even though they don't look anything like the person mm-hmm. you, you're totally seeing and hearing, you know, John Madden when you're, and you're looking at Frank Callahan <laughs> and right. Oh my God. I, I would love for one second to be able to like play that groove and have it sound like, you know, just, wow, you, you achieved sounding like Jabo Starks in that, <laughs> on that record for, one measure, right? right. <laughs> Just to feel that, you know, like the didn't you, whole measure. Didn't you say something? Did I feel like you said something like that on Bittersweet when you were like, "I felt like I was as funky as James Brown on his worst night." <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, You're like right. that's what I, I mean, want. Yeah, that's what I want to do. <laughs> right. 
right? It's like getting to the base camp. Like I, I, I got the yeah. glimpse. Like for for one yeah. measure, for one night. Like I know what it, you know. Like we were, we were as good as James Brown on his worst night, which means that you know we we got into the we got into the pocket enough to see the the depth of that ocean. You know, like we did something. Take, you know, yeah. We could see the creatures down there. We just couldn't go to them. <laughs> I <laughs> love know? it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 you know, you, you know, you, you know, and, and then, the, you know, the great thing is that everyone has their own perspective. You know, I, I, I view it that way. Somebody else is saying, oh, you know, maybe some, maybe, you know, like it's at the same time, it's great to hear, you know, from you that like, I'm part of what got you to play drums. That's so great. I'm grateful that I can be for someone else that what, you know, james gadsons and jabbo starks of the world were for me right you know right you know and and so i feel good about that you know yeah i mean you definitely i mean you shaped like you know you shaped a lot of my i mean you were fish was like the gateway drug for me into a lot of other bands into a lot of different music i mean there was stuff that you guys would play that i would you know covers that i would find who out who the original was it was stuff that you would play during set breaks that i would find out who they were i mean and just like I don't know. I mean, I went to, you know, I've been to 90 shows. So like you guys have definitely shaped, uh, shaped a lot of well, my, a lot of my music. And a lot of the stuff that you just mentioned there too, is really, that's uh, also a result of the whole being greater than some of its parts. Like all the music that was picked between those sets has been Jason Colton. Mostly his, our, one of our managers is, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was John Paluska's sort of right hand guy in the Dionysian days. And then he moved on to red light and works with corn and right. Patrick and over there now. And, and, uh, and uh, and and he is largely. I think Patrick does too, you know. But it, that's our managing ma- manager guys who are like huge music fans themselves, and mm-hmm. they, and they have ear to the ground. I think a lot more than we do in some ways, um, you know, because they manage other bands of different types of music, and so they're aware of like other goings on in developing things in the music world, you know. Right. Like one of the other bands that Jason manages is the Punch Brothers, you know. Mm-hmm who are, you know, world-class, amazing, you know, and, uh, and so through that, you know, there, there's going to be all kinds of exposure to, you know, things that you might hear, I would hear, you know, like I've, I've been walking off the stage and heard music coming out of our sound system. I was like, wow, I got to ask Jason who that is. Right. You know? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just the fish organization as a whole, really, you know, it, I think the band sets a good tone that way because our joy of getting to, create what we do rubs off on the people around us and mm-hmm. i think everybody kind of gets on board with it and kind of gives it their best too yeah so you know yeah yeah well, we're lucky people. well so are we thank you for for doing what you do we we appreciate it and thanks for shaping my my music uh my musical taste and career and and what i've what i've decided to do with my playing so yeah now all you need to complete the to complete the misinformation and 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 the, the total ruination of everything, of destroying what could have been a very positive musical life for you is to get is to get is to get my my senior study from Goddard and, <laughs> yeah. and have your head just go the wrong way when right. you're thinking of downbeat and upbeat and just that'll set you off running in the exact wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Which will probably lead to something fantastic. Yeah. Well, when you when you find it, let me know. I want to. I definitely want to check it out. If you're open to me uh, reading it. 
Yeah, I, I maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll go dig it out and see, look at it. If there's anything, if I agree with enough of it, I'll, maybe I'll write Goddard and tell them they can put it out. I don't know. It's just, it's funny. I always thought, I always thought that anybody could walk in. And no, I don't. I guess read. that's not. That's not what I hear. That's what I read on the internet. So it's got to be true because it's on the internet. Yeah. So. Well, you know, libraries. You know, libraries are generally places of like take out a book and look at it. Right? <laughs> Isn't that? What I, I guess I not. Know, maybe yeah. I guess right. not. No, not that. Don't look at that. Yeah. <laughs> not look at it. It's like that residence thing where, you know, they, the album where they made it because the purest art is art that's never actually meant to be seen. So they made it for its own thing and stuck it in a closet and that's yeah. their best album. <laughs> Who knows? It could be the next, uh, the next seminal. It's the greatest, right? It's, from it's the actual help. It's the helping friendly book. Yeah. You can't see it. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> nice. There's nothing friendly about it. That's the big secret. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, I uh, yeah. I sincerely, sincerely appreciate this. Um, I have. I'm sorry, as long as it did. Man, uh, I you know. I could sit here and talk to you all night. Well, thank you Good again. You, yeah. yeah, man. Likewise, and uh, get some sleep. Thank you again. Yeah. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. Right. See ya. So there you have it. The epic three and a half hour conversation I had with John Fishman from Fish has come to a conclusion. I hope you dug that. And for me, I mentioned this before, that was a very, very special conversation for me to have as I've been a Fish fan since I was 15 years old and have been to 90 shows. And he is is really the one that made me want to pursue playing drums professionally and made me for some reason believe that it was possible. So to be able to sit down and chat with him was an amazing experience and I really hope that you enjoyed it and I would love to hear your feedback on it whether it be on iTunes or you can you know message me on I'm on Instagram and Twitter and all that fun stuff at Drummer's Resource or shoot me an email nick at drummersresource.com and until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening I really do appreciate it and I'll be talking to you soon peace